0: We're honest and lovable But she's there She's magical, mystical We're A powerful wonder girl everyone. I'm Kate
1: Wheeler in studio with Christine Bentley, and you are listening to What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. So we're going to kick off the show today speaking with Sydney Loney. Now, she's an award-winning journalist and the deputy editor at locallove.ca. She wrote um, a feature recently on domestic violence and the support women receive when they enter the legal system, told from the perspective of one woman's experience. Now, she's going to talk to us a little bit about what she learned um, about domestic violence in the GTA and
2: how big of an issue it really is. And we're also going to be joined by Greg LeBretton, head of the science department at Stephen Lewis Secondary School, SLSS in Mississauga. And he's going to talk about why a solid understanding of science is so important Mm. to students' future success and the potential impact of investing in and supporting students' early access to cutting-edge technology and innovative learning. Absolutely. Now, we are also going to have
1: life insurance secrets revealed with financial advisor Renee Ribello, a chat with Ralph Breaks the Internet producer Clark Spencer, and we'll learn about the Arthritis Society's new partnership with PT Health that focuses on helping patients who are living with arthritis realize the potential benefits of a drug-free treatment plan.
2: And closing out the show today, one of the favorite segments, I think, on what she said, Mm -hmm. in our our live studio sessions, we have country singer-songwriter Kelsey Maine performing her new single, Woman Awaiting. And, and let's not forget, Kate, mm-hmm. before she was famous, Alessia Cara was on our <laughs> you're, live studio you're sessions. you still bitter because she promised to come back I'm, even if she made us no, famous, and she didn't. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm not bitter. I am so glad that being on all kinds of shows and, and, and getting the chance to get her song out helped. Absolutely, I hope. Now, a big congratulations to Louise Duffy from Uxbridge,
1: Ontario, who won a copy of The Crown season two on Blu-ray, courtesy of Sony, Sony Pictures Home Entertainment Canada. Be sure to keep your eye out on our social media pages; they're all at What She Said Talk for more great contests coming up.
3: Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com.
4: Excuse me, everyone. Now that I've discovered Hill Street's alcohol-free beer and wine, I've decided never to settle for anything less than the best. Linda, I will no longer eat your home-cooked lasagna. Dave, put your guitar away. You're terrible. And Janet, I'm leaving you. Oh. That's all.
5: Please continue the funeral service. Hill Street Beverages. 0% alcohol, 100% taste. Don't settle for anything less. Available at fine retailers across Canada and at hillstreetbeverages.com. This is 105.9 The Region.
0: She said- She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable.
3: Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
2: Joining us now is Sydney Loney, an award-winning journalist and deputy editor at Locallove.ca, the United Way, Greater Toronto's digital magazine that focuses on local changemakers, simple ways to give back in your community, and much more. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, you wrote a recent feature on domestic violence and the support women receive when they enter the legal system Told from the perspective of one woman's experience, this was one of the site's best-performing features, particularly mm-hmm. on November 25th, the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. Why did locallove.ca take on such a difficult and uh, weighty subject? If you're typically all about good news, that's a mm-hmm. good question. We we do cover a lot of good news, yes. but we also
6: part of our mandate at Local Love is to Raise awareness about issues, and our feeling is that if people don't know about the issues in their community, then they can't do anything to change them. So we make a—it's fairly regular that we do tackle heavier topics.
1: So then, take us
6: through what you learned about domestic violence in the GTA. How big an issue is it? It's—it's it's funny because I've—I've I've written about women's issues for many years, and I had—I had no idea how big a problem it is. I didn't, you know, you—you you never hear about it. So domestic violence is one of the. Um, biggest forms of violence against women in Canada. And it's not on our radar. We don't talk about it. And so once I started diving into the story, it sort of I fell down the rabbit hole a little bit because I just felt people needed to to know this. and and I didn't know about it. That means probably a lot of people don't know about it. And once I talked to Christina as well, I just I felt her story had to be shared. So it kind of went from there. Well,
1: more than a quarter of all reported crimes in 2016 involved family violence. That's stats from the Public Health Agency That's right. of Canada. So then why is domestic violence so underreported?
6: Part of it is because you know women don't tend to come forward. So we don't actually know the true extent of the problem Um it's very hard to to go to the police the first time, let alone, it, it, the, the stat is it takes seven times for women, women to leave seven times before they actually leave for good. So it's very hard to get out of the situations. And then once we get to the legal system, um, there are so many barriers for women to even get justice and to get through. And so it's just, it's just, it's kind of, no one talks about it. No one really knows what's going
2: on. Well, I can understand if you're living with somebody, you have children, something happens, you... You know that if you report it, you then have to go back there unless you're ready to leave. And even then, when they leave, often I've heard stories and seen interviews where they're terrified that that the person will come after them because there's different levels. So it's really a catch-22 for the women. Yeah, They're in a terrible Mm -hmm. situation. it, it's,
6: a lot of it's fear. The reason is not, for not leaving is fear, but there are so many reasons. It could be um, immigration. It could be money. It's very hard, too, to just pick up your life and, and go with nothing. You know, you've got career. You've got your, uprooting your children, and they're also the threats. So in this case, her abuser threatened to, to kill her and come after her, and she said she knew he was capable of that, and she was she was terrified. that. And, and the most dangerous time for a woman in a domestic violence situation is when she leaves.
2: Yeah. So it's... Mm-hmm. Let me ask you something. You know, the whole Me Too movement. Yes. So somebody had to be brave enough to step out. And then, and then there was just a torrent yeah. of women who followed. That's right. And maybe men too, right? Do you think that that's potentially something that could happen in this, that we will somehow get to a point where the balance will tip and women will say enough? And somebody will come out, it will be high profile, and then... It will just start. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I certainly hope so. And I think it will take
6: that kind of that exposure of people talking about it. And then it's sort of the snowball effect of that whole, you know, the Me Too movement where suddenly you realize how big a problem it is and how many women's lives it affects. Women across all backgrounds. I think that's another misconception is we don't realize it happens to everybody. And we probably know someone who it's happening to, and yet we don't know what's happening. I mean, this woman hid it from her family, and for ten years, no one knew. And probably they don't confide in their friends either because no. they're
2: afraid of afraid,
6: and they're ashamed. She mm. said she was so deeply ashamed that this was happening to her. Um, she and, and also you—you you become a different person. She said, you know, after this started happening, she was sort of a shell of the person she used to be. So she she had no confidence anymore. She was she was always living under sort of this umbrella of fear, and it was very hard to get out of that.
1: Well, I took. Um something positive out of your article, and that was that uh, with Christina, when she was alone in the witness box, um, four police officers came from their night shifts directly there straight to court just to support her. Um, And when she went to family court to prevent uh, Jake from going near their children, her lawyer never left her side. So there is, and she says it was that support that saved her. Exactly. Exactly where would she have been without that support?
6: She said she would never have made it out. She would have probably ended up... If it had been for the police officers from the beginning and she had people all every step along the way and finding those that support network in the court system, she said she she probably wouldn't... She she believes she wouldn't be alive. And that's what she told me. And I think having that network and knowing it exists and um, supporting those organizations that do help women in these situations mm-hmm. is so important. And people need to know that the problem is there in the first place. And Christina is remarkable because... She is speaking out and telling her story, and she was so generous with it and, and trusting it to to local love um because she wants to help other women so she said she repeatedly said to me, you know if she could you know just show one of the women that it one woman, woman that it is possible to escape it is possible to to get out there is support out there, then she's then it's worth it
1: and I think it's also because we have a lot of um Preconceived ideas. We, we misjudge people. I mean, this, yeah. this is a woman who had a happy childhood, went to U of T, traveled, earned a master's degree, had a yeah. good job in a position of authority. Um, you know, domestic violence started slowly with her and she forgave. She said it wouldn't happen again. And that's what we hear a lot. But it can happen in any social strata. This is not something yeah. that is, um, is going away. No, it's everywhere.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, what if you know someone, and you suspect it's going on, or what if it's happening to you yourself? Right. What is what is the sort of basic information that we should know? And th- there actually is a lot of
6: um, support out there that we just don't know about. So, actually, at the bottom of the story, we listed a number of, of hotlines mm-hmm. and helplines mm-hmm. where people can can get help sort of instantly the, the moment they need to talk to someone that they need out of a situation or they're afraid. And then there are other organizations like the Schleifer Clinic who can help you once you get a few steps further um, navigate the system and and sort of get justice. So there's there are lots of things in place. But really, I think just knowing that there are you know 24-hour um,
2: helplines available. So here it is. It's 10 o'clock at night. You've been beaten, whatever. He's gone out for a beer, and you're thinking... Gotta go. Gotta w- go. you know yeah. w- what do i do and and c- will somebody tell me that i will be safe me and my children will be safe that there is a way yes that's right you, you they women need that reassurance they need yes. to know
6: that if that if they leave they're not stepping into the unknown and it's such a terrifying moment i mean to just sort of pick up and just go and and also know that he will probably try to come after you and and the night the important thing i think for women to know it too is at these organizations they they help build a safety plan for women. So everything changes. Passwords, um, kids' school, where they go, get to get groceries. You have to sort of reconfigure your life. But there are people there who help you do that.
1: Now, uh, while there is, there's the Assaulted Women's Helpline, there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline, um, but you can also call 211. That's right. Anywhere across, which offers a variety of support services across Canada, from emergency assistance to counseling and daycare. And help is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in 100 different languages. That's amazing. That's huge. Yeah. That's 211. We're all used to saying 311 to get mm-hmm. information yep. from the city, but 211 is available uh, across Canada. Mm-hmm. Now, there's also. Um, it is the giving season, and it's, there is something that people can do right now to help women who are experiencing Absolutely. violence. Um, there's also another article on, on locallove.ca um, from a different writer talking about what women's shelters Really need you tell us what they what they really need because we want to give the right things. That's right,
6: and and people so often don't know what to do. And of course, clothing is always useful. But then you think <laughs> about those things that we take for granted every day, so toothpaste, deodorant, makeup for women who are, are going mm-hmm. to job interviews, are going to meet with their lawyers, school supplies for children um, who've been uprooted and they're in these shelters. Mm-hmm. They try to give them actual a regular school day, um, housewares because women have to start over. So, you know, everything from detergent to utensils to sheets, towels. All of those things um, are basically everything that you would need to start a life over is what you would need.
2: I remember when we were working together, there was somebody um, who ha- whose sister worked at a shelter. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us would bring in stuff because you so can't, can't actually go in because right. they're they're hidden. They're not security and yeah. for security reasons. So we knew somebody, remember, and we would drop off clothes and, mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. and she would take it to her sister and, and that way yeah, we, so none of us step. knew where it was right. going. You yeah. can contact the organization
6: to find out their policy to how to get things to the women and they're and Everyone has their own way of doing it, but it can be done. Now, oh, Sydney,
1: good. Sydney, tell everyone how they can
6: read uh, your article and more. <laughs> well, this article and others, other great articles, and and also how to, to donate to women shelters are on locallove.ca. Thank you very much for joining us today and talking about this difficult issue. My
1: pleasure.
0: She said-
3: What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. We'll be right back.
7: Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
5: This is 1059 The Region.
0: What she says, she's powerful, wonderful, honest, and lovable.
3: Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
0: So joining us now is
1: Greg LeBreton, the head of the science department at Stephen Lewis Secondary School in Mississauga. And he's here today to talk about the potential impact of investing in and supporting students' early access to cutting-edge technology and innovative learning. Welcome to the show, Greg.
8: Thank you very much. Thanks we, for having me.
1: We are all about um, supporting STEM. Um, for young and for those of you who don't know yet, science, technology, engineering, and math. Now, why do you think it's so important?
8: Well. I love science,
9: obviously, that's
8: (laughs) why I teach it. But beyond that, um, I think if you look into, peer into the future, into your crystal ball, you're going to find that a lot of careers and a lot of society's concerns, environmental, Mm -hmm. population growth, are really going to be depending on STEM careers to find solutions to them. And so I think if we can um, encourage students and get them excited about STEM careers and STEM pathways and, and just the research that goes behind that, then I think we're going to equip them for the future much better than we have in the past.
2: Well, last year, the school began using the Amgen Biotech Experience Labs, and you say because of that, students are increasingly charting additional paths. What does that mean?
8: Well, one of the things we find with some of the students in our school is that they've got maybe two pathways. They can be doctors. Or they can be engineers. Mm -hmm. And by showing them cutting-edge technologies from a variety of different careers, then what we end up doing is we end up opening those pathways up to so many more places in STEM careers that they can go and investigate things. So you've got environmental consulting, and you've got um, food technologies, and you've got so many other places that what we're doing with the MGen biotechnology experience that can open those doors up to you. So with that in mind, uh, I think it's really important that when we when we do these labs in the class, we, we look at where these kids are going and what they're doing with them.
1: So how does it, does it give them an interactive experience? How does it actually work?
8: This? So you can imagine a, a lab in in CSI where you've got the micropipettes and you've got all the different colored And cells. they solve
1: yeah. all the crime yeah.
4: within yeah. And they
8: solve, uh, 43 minutes 30, and we In yeah, 30 yeah. minutes. Um, we have 75 minutes to solve the lab. Um, <laughs> but I mean, really you're dealing with the same kind of equipment. So you've got centrifuges and you've got UV light showing glowing DNA and glowing proteins moving through gels and kids are taking pictures with their cell phones and they're really, really engaged because they Mm -hmm. can see the actual technology that's on TV that you'd normally only see. And and so it's a very hands-on um, experience for the students, but it also gives them responsibility for doing the real research. And so they mm-hmm. have to figure out what is going on in that lab so that they can be successful and they can actually get um, the results that, that are expected out of what we've given them.
1: So how, how would you say that then this new approach to science education is changing not only their learning experience, mm-hmm. which you did, but the outcomes. Have you seen anything? Yet?
8: Well, the real change that we've made here is that we're, we're, we're building community partners and we're building right. bridges between other institutions and corporations and our schools. And so we're trying to unsilo the high school. And so high, you used to go to high school and you'd leave high school. And what we're trying to do is build it into a community system where institutions such as universities and institutions or corporations such as Amgen come in and bring in their expertise and, and understanding um, to students so that what we're doing is, is we're making it uh, a much more dynamic learning uh, ecosystem. For students to really enjoy what they're doing and become engaged in the science behind it. So that's the real difference. I mean, labs have been done in high school for a million years, but cutting-edge labs haven't. So if you have a high school teacher who's been teaching high school for 10 years, technology has changed so much in those 10 years. There's no way that that teacher knows cutting-edge stuff. So if we can bridge those gaps and we can bring corporations in who have that cutting-edge technology, then we can actually make a difference in those students' lives.
2: But also, you can start to mine... People who have children who have that skill and don't even know they have it and then start to put a little imagination in there and they can see a whole range of potential things that they might want to do because even the cutting edge technology is not going to be the same. The jobs that are available now, by the time those kids are through university not going to be the same.
8: You're absolutely right, but I think what you're really drilling down to is we're we're making education fun again. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. I mean, you know, you can't you can't put a kid through 4 years of high school and expect him to read about exciting stuff out of a textbook. It's got to be hands-on, and it's got to be in their face, and it's got to be something they want to do. And especially today when we have so many other distractions, including cell phones, you've got to make it something that they want to be there to enjoy.
2: Is this the only high school that's doing this?
8: No, not at all. There's uh, many high schools and many different boards in Ontario that are um, that are enjoying you know, the support of the Amgen Foundation. So there's lots. What about lots. across the country? Um, there's 28 uh, different schools who are participating right now, I think in eight different school boards, um, and it's growing. So it's, it's, it's slow. The rollout is really well done because we want to make sure that the uptake is done properly. Um, it's extremely well organized by the University of Toronto at Mississauga, and it has been done so well. It's so well organized that the equipment comes to us. It's all color-coded. The labs are really, really well put together, and it's just going to take time for us to get more and more labs out to other students.
2: Is the federal government supporting you? Because I would imagine Kirstie Duncan would, would just eat this up in a heartbeat.
8: I have to admit, I'm at the teaching end of it, so I don't <laughs> know about where the money is coming from. All I see is the great equipment coming into my classroom.
2: Okay, on
1: that point, I've got to wonder if there are any parents that have raised any concern about corporate culture. I mean, Amgen's a big, you know, pharmaceutical company. Um, Are there concerns? We used to see this with um, soft drink, you know, containers. So has anybody raised any concerns about the connection?
8: I think what's really amazing is how out of the way Amgen has put themselves. I mean, Amgen Good. is, is okay. doing an incredibly great job with their foundation of supporting this, but it's not a branding job. It's not a job in the classroom where Amgen is splashed all over everything. What's splashed all over everything is the incredible education that students are getting. Um, and it's the equipment that they're using. And, and you don't, it, it's not that, you know, this is a, a, a real PR campaign for Amgen. This is, this is science in the classroom. And, and it comes in as, as kits and it's simply equipment that students are using.
1: That's That's wonderful. That's very cool. So the the program is on track to reach about 900-plus students in the 2018 to 2019 year. You were right, 28 schools across, uh, across the different school boards. So you said that it's important to get the kids interested early. How early? If you had your druthers, how early would you start?
8: You know, we could do this right in kindergarten. Yeah. I mean you know the thing about science is that toddlers are scientists and they'll experiment with everything which is why you end up with such a mess in your house sometimes
1: <laughs> so that peanut butter sandwich <laughs> in the VCR comes to mind
8: <laughs> and and you know we can do this we can do this in elementary as well and maybe in elementary it would be better because in high school I have students for 75 minutes a day in elementary I would have students all day long right and so you know we can we can play with science in elementary so much longer and dive so much deeper sometimes than they can in in high school. That said, students in high school have much greater abilities and much much greater dexterity to use the equipment, the expensive equipment that we were brought that's being brought in by Amgen. So there are different places to put different kinds of equipment and different places to put different yeah. curriculum for sure. but
2: perhaps going going forward, it could be not dumbed down but brought down for that age group because I think a lot of children, may have closed doors by the time they come to high school.
8: Well, I think the one thing that I would I would really kind of throw out there is that maybe there's lots of other corporations out there who could do this. Um, there's lots of other things that we can do to bring in for chemistry, to bring in for physics, and to really enjoy in an elementary school classroom and, exactly. t- and to have kids playing, just playing with science because it's so cool and so exciting.
1: So you're really you, – you think in the time period that you've been working with this program that the students – it's now opened um, the portals, if you were, to them to pursue um, interests beyond becoming a physician. They're seeing more options.
8: Absolutely. And, you know, if you look into the future and you look at what society is going to be worried about in the future, population growth, mm-hmm. um, environmental concerns, uh, supplying – 8 billion people with enough food. These are all areas that we're going to have to research. And they're all areas that the Amgen Biotech Experience targets really, really well. So it, it broadens their field that they can go into. And then they have a great heads up on where to go into university or where to go into college and what to do with their STEM experience and understanding.
1: Does it help if students and parents go to their school and say they want this in the school? Absolutely. And, you
8: know, if parents know somebody who is in a corporation or an institution who think, oh, you know, maybe they could come into my school and they could offer some expertise. That's how we have to start. We have to start building bridges through networking and just simple face to face contact. And it's about building relationships.
1: That doesn't sound highly technical. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) So where can people go to learn more?
8: So if you want to learn more about the Amgen biotech experience, you can certainly go um, type into Google Amgen uh, Foundation Canada. And that will certainly pull up some really great videos showing the experience that students have had. And um, they can certainly uh, contact Peel District School Board if they're interested in what's going on right now.
1: That's awesome. great. Yeah, thank you very much. um, for telling us about it and uh, Greg LeBreton at the head of the science department at Stephen Lewis Secondary School in Mississauga. Um, I, th- I think you're onto something. I yeah? hope so.
8: <laughs> Great. Thank you.
3: What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back.
4: Dear Diary, it's day 15 and I still can't seem to figure it out. How can Hill Street's alcohol-free beer and wine taste so good? A. They've invented a new undetectable alcohol. B. They're straight up lying to us. Or C. They're wizards and each drink is infused with the blood of
0: dragons!
4: I think I'm onto something.
5: Hill Street Beverages. 0% alcohol, 100% taste. Available at fine retailers across Canada and at hillstreetbeverages.com teeth as white as snow want to give something different that someone in your family will remember every time they look in the mirror give the gift of teeth whitening 249 dollars lowest price in the market go to snowwhiteteeth.ca to order now snowwhiteteeth.ca this is 105.9 the region
0: she's powerful wonderful
3: Now, back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
1: Joining us now is Renee Rabello, financial advisor at Life Coach Financial Strategies. Welcome back to What She Said. Welcome. Thank you. Now, today we are talking life insurance secrets revealed. Uh, Insurance now apparently has a fresh, new, healthy twist? Yes, there's uh, many things in the insurance industry. A lot
10: of people don't like talking about insurance mm-hmm. because they pay a monthly fee but then never see anything in return. But I'll tell you, it's kind of like the toilet bowl plunger. You're kind of glad you have it if you end
9: up <laughs> in
0: a problem, right?
10: So you, you want to make sure you have your life insurance covered in some way. Uh, there's usually two types of life insurance, mm-hmm. term insurance, so something temporary and then something permanent that'll cover you for the rest of your life. And uh, nowadays, some of the medical underwriting, that's required for these insurance policies, they're giving you the ability to wear like a Fitbit and taking some of your actions that you have in your healthy lifestyle into consideration for your premiums. So that's a nice way to segue into something a little bit cheaper when it comes to paying for insurance to have that coverage. So you'd literally, they would literally be monitoring
1: your your, mm-hmm. your active lifestyle. Yes, yes. Kind of like lives. your car insurance with a yeah, little tractor in your car, like
10: right? They're going to know everything soon. It still makes <laughs> me Well, a little I think nervous the
2: better though. health you're in, the lower your premiums. So if yes. you're a smoker, they're higher. Yep. If you've got pre-diagnosed, yep. pre-existing conditions, they're higher. Yes. I mean, for young people to start, it's easy. Oh, and but it's very inexpensive. Very everything inexpensive. And in the price. Right. You know, and um,
10: I always say to people, look at your mortgage insurance premiums. So the premiums that you're being charged on your actual mortgage. Mm -hmm. that's a whole different type of insurance itself to me it's called the mortgage scam like the the insurance scam because it's underwritten at time of claim and that's what actually got me into this industry in the first place was what happened with my my own family so my dad was 42 when he passed away and he passed away from an aneurysm and he had mortgage insurance so he thought he was fine and the family would Mm -hmm. be fine but unfortunately after he passed away they underwrite the claim and they said he was denied
1: I'm I'm sorry that doesn't make
10: any any sense at all this is how they're sold at a financial institution because they're not licensed they ask you to answer three or four questions half the time they don't ask you because they're trying to hit their targets for their sales quotas they give you a policy they charge you a monthly premium that only stays the same but the actual balance that it pays out declines should death occur then they underwrite it at the time to find out if you actually qualified for it
2: isn't that illegal nope totally legal Totally legal to say, I'm going to charge you for something, mm-hmm. and then I'll decide when you actually need it, whether or not... You qualify. And do they give you your money back if they
10: you don't give qualify? give you back premiums, yeah,
2: and say, thank you very much, here you
10: go.
1: Because, oh. So what, how much was your mother anticipating receiving in the wake of the strategy. she's 42. Think of your average 42-year-old, two incomes,
10: living paycheck to paycheck, having a house with a mortgage and three young children. So it's a substantial amount. And instead, she got her premiums back and it forced her down a route that financially destroyed her quite honestly, because you go from two incomes to one income overnight. How can
1: you protect yourself against this?
10: You should be looking at independent insurance. So talk to an insurance advisor or a certified financial planner so I'm a broker, so I can search the cost of every insurance company in Ontario and take a peek at what company might even have some perks for your family, because some of them offer scholarships. And honestly, the price is usually half. It's substantial. But it's real insurance. It's real insurance. It's underwritten at the time of application. You also get to name your beneficiary. So with the financial institution's mortgage insurance, it's payable to the institution. With outside insurance, not only is it cheaper, it's underwritten right now, so there is no declining the claim. You also get it paid to your family. So as your mortgage balance declines, let's say you have a $200,000 mortgage, you've originally signed up for $200,000 worth of insurance on your mortgage. When you pass away, it's worth $100,000. In the financial institution world, they pay 100000 to the institution, and your house is paid for, potentially, based on if they think you qualify. In scenario two, you would get 200000 It would pay to your family. They'd pay off the $100,000 mortgage and still have 100000 afterwards. That sounds like a great plan. It's a much better way to do Much things.
1: better way to do it than – well, than not getting anything at all, apparently. Not at all. I wonder no. how
10: many people don't realize that. There's a lot that don't. They just presume that once they're in the institution that they checkmark these few boxes, they're covered. But unfortunately, in the fine print, if you actually read it, which most people don't – I'm guilty mm. of some of those, those contracts myself not reading – it says that if you pass away and they will underwrite at time of claim and could be
2: denied. And that's a really important insurance because as you say, you know, you you go from two salaries to one. Yep. You've got a couple of children. Yes. That one salary probably after taxes takes care of the the mortgage. So if you've got yeah. the mortgage off your back, you're you might be okay. You might be
10: okay, but there's usually, you know, one salary isn't usually covering the whole mortgage payment. There's other right. things too, right? And you've got children's future education costs and everything. So It's not just the mortgage. You should be really looking at your whole need. And it doesn't have to be permanent. Insurance can be quite cost efficient. So for a young couple, you're probably looking at $30, $40 a month for a significant coverage that would provide your surviving spouse with a lump sum of money. To pay off everything.
2: Mm. Really? I've never heard this before. I think people need to call you. I need need to come and see you. (laughs) (laughs) So, how do people get in touch with you? Tell everyone. They can get a hold of me through my Facebook,
10: which is Life Coach Financial Strategies. They can Mm -hmm. get my website, which is mylcfs.ca, or they can just call me at the office, 289 235 9776.
1: Renee Rabello, thank you very much for that information. You're
10: very welcome. Thanks for having me.
5: This is 1059, The Region.
0: What
3: she said. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at whatshesaidtalk.com.
0: If
1: you haven't had a chance to see Ralph Breaks the Internet yet, it's getting great reviews. And our film critic, Anne Brody, recently sat down with Oscar-winning producer Clark Spencer to talk about making the film. Let's take a listen. Do people assume all your problems got solved because a
10: big, strong man showed up?
0: Yes! What is up with that? She, she is a, a princess! princess
5: ralph breaks the internet
11: clark your films have a real sense of wonder and awe but humor and a kind of satirical humor which i love so is that sort of a conscious thing or does that just happen in the writing
9: you know i've been lucky to work with filmmakers to kind of come with that that Kind of comedy sense to them. And in this case, Rich Moore and Phil Johnson, the two uh, directors of the film, and Phil Johnson's the writer on the story and was on the writer on the first one. That's kind of their point of view from a comedic standpoint. It's the thing I love. They make me laugh every single day because it just comes <laughs> organically so from them. Yeah. Uh, and it's the thing I, I love about these movies.
11: Okay, so you're a producer, you've produced most of Disney's big recent hits. Uh, you know i don't get it though harvard finance i
9: right, right. making movies how does it all work right
11: what's the timeline you know <laughs> uh, it's
9: a, it's a great question when i came out of university i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do and everybody was going to wall street at the time and i thought okay that's i guess that's what i'll go do that give me it was yeah the late yeah. 80s um, It that would really give me a sense of of business right and i'll i'll get that that spirit to it. But after about four years, I realized I didn't have passion for it. It wasn't what I wanted to wake up every single day and do. And I thought I don't want to wake up in 30 years and not love what I'm doing. So I started to think about entertainment. My grandparents owned a movie theater when I was a kid. So I saw movies all the time. And I thought, why not just take a leap of faith and move to L.A. and see if I could create some kind of a career in in entertainment and look at where I am today. It's incredible. (laughs) So I always say to people, follow your heart, follow, follow that and and do something you love because you'll be infinitely happier doing that.
11: That is a great story. Oh, thank you. Something I love about Ralph Breaks the Internet is the digs. <laughs> They're yeah, not yeah. too subtle sometimes. Yeah. There's the um, the aggressive autofill, which we all Yes, pay. yes. And... Uh, you know that he's gonna break it yeah I yeah. love it yeah is that kind of what I think we all kind of need that don't you yeah you like know a little bit of payback
9: well sort of I think the key element in the storytelling of this, of this is the Internet's this big amazing world that actually does connect the world there's so many great things about the oh, internet yes. but there's complicated difficult parts about it too there's dark sides to it and we wanted to explore all of that we didn't want to just give one picture of the internet as if it's this amazing world we needed to talk about things like the fact that autofill can annoy you we need to we actually go into a comments room and really for Ralph it's an awakening for him to realize that maybe the whole world doesn't see his character the way he wants to be seen. And I, I think it's a it's an important thing that opens the opportunity for parents who take their kids to these films to talk to them about that, to say, you know, remember that scene in the movie? Well let's talk a little bit about what what is that and what did that mean for Ralph and how do you yourself protect yourself That's from fantastic. those kind of feelings. That's yeah. That's fantastic.
11: But I think one of the moments I loved the best was a princess reunion. Thank <laughs>
9: you. <Yeah. laughs> it was such a great... It was
11: so good to see them.
9: It is. It was an amazing experience, honestly. Really, it was an mm-hmm. idea pitched in the story room that we thought could be incredibly comedic on one level, but also, eventually, as we built the story, became really important to the storytelling. Penelope's a princess herself, so what if she met the other Disney princesses? And what if they opened her eyes to this concept of what is your destiny? That maybe she isn't where she's supposed to be. Maybe there is something bigger out there for her. And that's what those characters end up doing, but for us, we were bringing back characters that had made us want to be part of Disney animation. And we were bringing back the original voice cast and getting to meet these incredible actresses who brought these characters to life. So it was, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience that, uh, that I'm so excited for the audience to see that really had a deep impact on me.
11: And Irene Badari, I interviewed her for Pocahontas. Did, and yeah. there she is. <laughs> yes. It was, it was heartwarming. It was really heartwarming.
9: And you know the cool thing is each one of them actually spent time in the studio talking to the animation team about their characters. Because these animators haven't animated all these characters themselves, so to get the original voice cast to come in and say, here's the way I see the character, here's how I would want to see her um, portrayed in in animation was was phenomenal. It was Oh, that's
11: just fantastic. Thank you for bringing another terrific film, and we'll see you for the next one.
9: Oh, I I look forward to that. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you.
3: What She Said with Christine Bentley and
5: Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian expecting more for your money that's wealth esteem terms and conditions apply this is 1059 the region
0: she say, she's bad.
5: Now, back
3: to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
2: Today, arthritis affects more than 6 million Canadians. And while the economic burden of arthritis on our society continues to rise, uh, it's currently more than 33 billion annually, so does the demand for relief from pain. Joining us now is Heather Shantora, the CEO of PT Health, who is here to Tell us about an exciting new partnership.
7: Welcome to What She Said. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here.
2: Now, the Arthritis Society has just announced a partnership with PT Health, which is a community clinic network with more than 230 locations across this country. Tell us what the partnership is going to focus on.
7: So there are 6 million Canadians today living with arthritis. That number is huge. That's like almost one in five. Mm -hmm. And they expect it to double um, in the next 10 years. And it's a painful disease. And it affects so many people. And so Mm -hmm. most um, people living in pain go to their physician. And often that leads to pharmaceuticals. We are a chain of physiotherapy clinics. We offer other services like acupuncture, massage, chiropractic. Um, but we're across Canada. And so the conversation started with Arthritis Society saying, let's get these people having a better quality of life that doesn't require pharmaceuticals for life and get them moving, active, you know, release those joints of those stiffness. And so that's really where the conversation started is how do we help these 6 million Canadians get active, enjoy their quality of life while they have it and really try to slow down the progression of the disease.
2: It seems interesting to me that we are just now starting this real push because those those other options have always been available. Mm-hmm. Why is it, is it, is it because of the conversations about opioids
7: and painkillers that we're starting to say, geez, maybe we shouldn't be starting these addictions? Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think that that plays into it. I think part of the challenge with physiotherapy, because it's been outside the OHIP system and other um, government systems in other provinces, People don't know the benefits of physiotherapy. In Ontario, only one in five Ontarians have ever been to physiotherapy. Physiotherapy can be dramatically life-changing for people. It really Mm -hmm. genuinely makes their life better. But because it's paid privately, many people haven't been and aren't aware that the vast majority of healthcare plans cover it. About 76 Ontarians, 76% of Ontarians have coverage for it. They will not pay out of pocket, but they just haven't had the opportunity to try physio to see the benefit. So I think now with this push towards wellness and people being willing, to, being willing to invest in their own health, more people are trying physiotherapy. So I think it's an awareness thing as opposed to a lack of uh, availability before.
2: And what about awareness
7: with doctors? prescribing it. Absolutely. And physicians, um, you know, they're in medical school for a very long time. The amount of time where they actually learn about other allied health professions is very, very small. So they're not really aware of the scope of a physiotherapist. Um, In Ontario, physiotherapists are first line health providers. In other words, if you have a twisted ankle, you can go straight to your physio. You You don't don't need a a physician's referral. referral. No. And very few health benefits actually require that. So you can go straight to them. they are trained in human mu- human movement. They spend two years doing a master's program in physiotherapy plus their four years undergrad. So they have six years training in the musculoskeletal system and how to make it better. That is more time than a physician would spend doing that. But I just think that Ontarians and Canadians don't know that the stats in Canada, the rest of Canada, are actually slightly less people have been to physio. They're strongest in Ontario. Well, it's interesting. My
1: my doctor referred me. Um to a knee specialist, mm-hmm. and I had, I had arthritis, moderate arthritis, apparently, mm-hmm. in my knee, and I had an, an injection of—I think it was to refill the synovial fluid, visc, yes. bis- yes. something like that—which yes. was quite painful going in. But within a couple of days, it was like, wow, mm-hmm. I, I am my knees are no longer grinding. I'm mm-hmm. even like tempted to see if I can start jogging again. Mm-hmm. But along with that, she said, "I want you to come back." It was a sports clinic that I was okay. sent to. I want you to come back and work with a physiotherapist because you've been protecting the bad knee Mm -hmm. for so long you've actually weakened muscles that would so that you need to know specific exercises Mm -hmm. to just work around that knee and the Mm -hmm. physiotherapist was excellent like really 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 good I was really happy with uh, with the work now, I've just got to keep up the exercise. Right? <laughs>
7: <laughs> and I'm happy that was your experience and the advice you got. Because a lot of people, yeah. it's, you know, the injection, which those are fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have heard great things. But, you know, often that's it. Mm-hmm. And then pain medication related, you know. Yeah, no, that was, same, really, that was never and even honestly, suggested. That's fantastic. And honestly, that's what you want, isn't it? To yeah. get back to good quality of life jogging. And, and that has an effect on your emotional well-being as well, right? So mm-hmm. this really is a holistic issue for someone living. With arthritis, absolutely. Because for me, it was exercise was painful. Mm. I mean, I love to walk. I love to walk the dog.
1: If I can't walk, mm-hmm. how am I if I can't go downhills and going upstairs, I and mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I can I can deal with not running. I can deal with not you know being able to do lunges. Believe me, I can deal with not having to do lunges. <laughs> but if I can't walk, what mm-hmm. am I going to do for mm-hmm. exercise? Yeah, exactly. So this made
2: a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm happy to hear <laughs> that. I want to know in a, in a big picture sense how physiotherapy has the potential to, you know, give arthritis patients their quality of life back, but at the same time reduce the personal and social burden mm-hmm. because it, it, it we're – we're spending a lot of money mm-hmm. on trying to treat people in the wrong way, maybe. Mm-hmm.
7: And it is a progressive disease. People don't mm-hmm. get cured from it. And so that's critically important. But what, what we can do is, number one, early detection. So if you go um, to a physiotherapist, um, they can actually help detect that it is, in fact, arthritis, not um, you know just a temporary sports injury or something. The earlier that we can detect that, the quicker we can start working with it to make sure that it doesn't progress and you don't get to the point where you're living in constant pain and need pharmaceuticals, um, which in turn leads to um, physician visits, which costs the system money. Sometimes it leads to slips, falls, other things, which then ER, that costs money. So if we're able to intervene sooner, we have better outcomes. What physiotherapy can do is several things. So Kate, your example was great Mm -hmm. because people do protect it and they modify their gait, Mm -hmm, so the -hmm. the form in which they walk. Um, And that actually then just puts stress on different joints or the other leg, for example, or the low back. (laughs) Exactly. And then, so then you're just spreading, you know, the issues that you have. So, what they will do is do balancing exercises to make sure that you are appropriately using all the muscles in your leg. In some Mm -hmm. cases, they'll do unloading exercises. So, they will, do manual therapy and pull on the joint to allow relief Mm -hmm. so that the two joints aren't rubbing. In some cases, people are really stiff and can't get any mobility into the joint. So they'll actually bend and move the joint for you that allows it to lubricate itself and then have a better feeling. So with physiotherapy, it's an individualized program for everyone. Um, so what they would do to work on with each patient would be different. The other thing that they would offer in a clinic is um, pain relief. So for example, they will do electrical stimulation or inferential currents, and that will help give the patient relief from that joint and that pain. In some cases too, bracing might be appropriate. Knees mm-hmm. are a really great example where there's a lot of pressure and grinding. We have unloading braces that literally take the weight off the joint for you so that that poor oh, joint isn't being overused. Well,
1: that's why, I, I I mean, I guess... you have physiotherapists with increased arthritis knowledge, and that's yes. that's fabulous. But I didn't know that PT Health is actually the largest woman-led physical rehabilitation company in Canada.
7: Yes, yes. and I'm delighted to say that because um, 78% of all physiotherapists are female, and um, there's three major chains in Canada. And uh, so we, uh, PT Health, are one of them. We're the only one led by a woman, and the rest of the marketplace, for the most part, is independence. But to have 78% of those... Clinicians be represented by a woman, I think is really important and far more representative of what the workforce looks like. So the other thing is our we are national, but our full leadership team is made up of more than 50% women.
1: Well, there's 230 yes. locations mm-hmm. across. So how can people find out where they are? You must have a website.
7: Yes, pthealth.ca, and you put in your postal code. It'll show you the closest one to you. We have a call center that's open, you know, all of the time zones, seven days a week. So it's it's very easy to get into a clinic. And you don't need a referral. You do not need a referral no
1: do you have to have been um, diagnosed with arthritis I had to go through an x-ray process and I kept the the, mm-hmm. the discs right mm-hmm. so I could take them wherever I needed so right. everyone could see that before they would see me so do you have to
7: no you don't a okay. physiotherapist is able to diagnose that and come up with an individual treatment plan a physician's not required
2: perfect So, very quickly what what are the results that you've seen
7: from people who go in early do exactly what you said. Right. It's the quality of life part, right? Mm -hmm. Where the, you know, stairs are bothering them Mm -hmm. and then we get them to a point where that doesn't bother them anymore because we were able to strengthen other muscles. The testimonials we get are are absolutely heartwarming. Um, You know, people who didn't run. We had one from a husband about his wife who, um, you know, she had challenges just with the activities of daily living, getting up, brushing her hair. To be able to change their lives so that they're more independent is is just enormous. And it must be
2: great on a marriage
7: not having to listen to somebody <laughs> say
2: how much everything
7: hurts or
2: I can't do That's this. It's part and of like the social thing. benefits. Yeah. Exactly. And I can't
1: do that. Mm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us today. Heather Shantora with PT
7: Health. Thank you.
3: what she said. With Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler, will be right back.
4: <clears throat> uh, excuse me, everyone. Now that I've discovered Hill Street's alcohol-free beer and wine, I've decided never to settle for anything less than the best. Linda, I will no longer eat your home-cooked lasagna. Dave, put your guitar away. You're terrible. And Janet... I'm leaving you.
5: That's all. Please continue the funeral service. Hill Street Beverages. 0% alcohol, 100% taste. Don't settle for anything less. Available at fine retailers across Canada and at hillstreetbeverages.com. Teeth as white as snow? Want to give something different that someone in your family will remember every time they look in the mirror? Give the gift of teeth whitening. Two forty nine, dollars lowest price in the market. Go to snowwhiteteeth.ca to order now. snowwhiteteeth.ca this is 1059 The Region.
0: She She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable.
3: Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
0: Start up, turn that key. I got a spa right next to me. Don't you know better, baby? Not to
2: keep. What you were listening to is woman with the new single by Canadian country singer-songwriter, Kelsey Maine. Welcome to What She Said. Thanks for having me. You were nominated as a One to Watch for 2018 by Soundcheck Entertainment. For people who may not be familiar,
12: how did you get started? Well, I actually went to school for nursing and as a part-time job to pay for my education, I picked up this serving-slash-singing job, Bevertainer, um, job. Bevertainer? (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah, (laughs) Bevertainer,
12: cool. At, um, this bar called the Bowl and Barrel. It was a country bar. And I always loved to sing, and so originally it was, uh, they were looking for dancers, and so I went and I danced. I'm not really a dancer, per se. I would never consider myself a professional dancer, but I can dance. And so, uh, I went there and I... Said, you know, I can sing too, and then they had me sing, and then that kind of um, grew into something bigger. So, and it's a great <laughs> yeah. new
1: song, "Woman Waiting." So, what's the inspiration behind this track? I think your mom has something to do with it.
12: Uh, well, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so she did. Um, always tell me, you know, faint of heart never won fair maiden. So, um, I always kind of. Believed that and and uh, wanted to write something about like a strong female and empowerment and something. So this this song is about just you know like. I'm not going to wait too long for you. You, you got to keep moving. You got to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Don't don't keep me waiting. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you divide
12: your time between Toronto and
1: Nashville.
12: So what's mm-hmm. your favorite thing about Nashville? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it's more of the random nights that you find yourself. Um, one really, really cool night. I was invited to a house party and I walk in and it's 12 people in a living room that I've never met before. But. They're all passing around a guitar and singing each other's songs, original songs, and harmonizing, and it's it's it just didn't seem real. I'm like, okay, so this is Nashville, like. <laughs> you know? And where can people find you on social media if they want to follow everything you're doing? At Kelsey Main is everything that I have. So Kelsey with an I instead of E-Y. And Maine, M-A-Y-N-E. M-A-Y-N-E. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for
1: having me. Now, that is it for What She Said This Weekend. We'll be back again next Saturday and Sunday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region, singing us out now in our live studio sessions. Here is Kelsey Maine performing Woman Waiting.
0: it yeah. Take a truck, take a train, take a shortcut down a two lane. You can roll it on up in a sweet new ride. Just don't take your sweet time, boy. Start it up, turn that key, I got a smile right now.